Welcome to Recloseted Radio, the top-rated podcast for slow fashion founders. Whether you're thinking about launching a slow fashion brand, scaling an existing sustainable apparel company, or looking to make a brand more environmentally friendly, we have you covered. I'm your host, Selena Ho, and each week I'm sharing my proven strategies or interviewing industry experts. Without any further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to Recloseted Radio, everyone. To celebrate my birthday tomorrow, I wanted to do an interview of me so that all of you can get to know me a little bit more. And instead of me droning on and on about myself, I thought it would be way more interactive and fun if we did it more as an interview style. And so I brought on a really amazing team member from our Recloseted team today so that it's just more interesting and more interactive. So we have Grace, and I'm really excited to have Grace on Recloseted Radio. She's our jack-of-all-trades, our Swiss army knife, and does everything from client relations all the way to marketing. So really excited to have you, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Lena, for the introduction. I'm so excited to be on the podcast today with you, and I've been doing a lot of the behind-the-scenes work for a bit now, so it's really cool to be a part of Recloseted Radio. And today I brought you some questions that longtime Recloseted fans and myself have been curious about, and I thought I'd ask them to you today. Awesome. I'm really excited to dive in. So I think um, a lot of the newer community members here at Recloseted would be curious to know when you started Recloseted and kind of what prompted you to start Recloseted in the first place. Yeah, for sure. So I started Recloseted in August of 2018. And I like to say it was August 8th, but it, I was kind of thinking about it for a few months before that. And that was really like the day where I decided I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a difference. And the reason why I started to be closeted is just because I was really heartbroken over what was happening in the fashion industry. So everything from all the harmful materials in our clothes to the unethical labor going on to the overconsumption from consumers, and then the insane amount of textile waste we're driving to the landfills. And so at every single stage of the fashion economy, it's a linear economy, I like to say, because it's very much so like take, make, use, and then discard. And so at every single stage of this linear economy, it was just really heartbreaking for me to learn that there's so many broken pieces to it. And I always grew up kind of seeing the glitzy or glamorous side of fashion, as I'm sure a lot of other people see it. So like the New York Fashion Weeks or, I don't know, other fashion design shows or just seeing influencers do hauls. And I I guess I just never really truly understood the true cost of the fashion industry. And when I started researching and learning more, I was, yeah, just so heartbroken and really wanted to do something about it. And that's really how Recloseted started. That's really awesome that you were able to just kind of push through and start something so amazing and so impactful in the fashion industry. Same with you. Like, I've always thought of the fashion industry as something like the devil wears Prada. And that's kind of the only view I had to it. But as you learn and as you kind of look into the things that go on, there are so many harmful aspects to it. So it's really awesome what you're doing. And what is the most shocking thing you've learned about the fashion industry? I know you've mentioned a lot, but what's one thing that you were like, wow, this is the one thing that I really want to work on? 
Ooh, that's such a good question. I get asked this quite a bit, and honestly, it's all really shocking. But I, I guess I just never realized how much goes into our clothes. So, as an example, for an average pair of jeans, because they're made out of cotton predominantly, and cotton uses a lot of water to grow, there's so much water that goes into just a single pair of jeans. It can actually probably provide clean drinking water for someone for a few years. So that was really crazy to me. And then on top of just the cotton itself, jeans also sometimes use a lot of harmful dyes in order to get that indigo blue color. Because back in the old days, they used to use this indigo plant, and it used to be really great and naturally made. And so nowadays, because we're mass producing jeans and people are just mass buying them. We can't do that anymore, and so we use a lot of harmful dyes, and it leaches into waterways and rivers. And so that's just one example of a garment, which is just jeans that everyone uses and buys. So that was like really shocking for me to kind of learn what goes into the clothes we buy, because as an average consumer, you don't really think about that, right? You're just saying, "Oh, this looks cute," or "This is kind of cheap," and so I'm gonna get it. But when you actually sit back and think about how this garment got here, how many hands it touched, how many resources were used, it just is really shocking. And so, like the making side of things was definitely really eye-opening for me to learn. And then the end of life piece as well, because as a lot of us, you know, are trying to clean out our closets, maybe in the past year, and trying to get rid or donate things. We we send it off to maybe a donation center, or we drop it off somewhere, and then we forget about it, and we kind of, I don't know, we just kind of、uh, say that our our part is done. But really, like we have to think about where it's going, and more often than not, it's either being shipped to a thorough, like a developing country. And then they are having to now like deal with all of our junk, or it's being shipped to the landfills. And for something like polyester, it's actually going to rot there for two hundred to three hundred years, which means that it will outlive our time on Earth. And that really shocked me as well. And so, yeah, I would say the making of things was really interesting for me to learn. But then, equally interesting and eye-opening was just the fact that when we are done with our clothing, it has to go somewhere. And it has to like figure out a way to leave this earth, and more often than not, it will actually outlive us. I think one of the eye-opening things for me, what you recommended, is the documentary "The True Cost," and it touches on a lot of the points that you mentioned. And it really was super shocking and disheartening to see all of the the reality behind the fashion industry. So, I know that Recloseted's mission is to right the harmful fashion industry, and so. What kind of offerings and services does Recloseted have that helps your clients right the harmful fashion industry with you? Yeah, great question. And maybe before we get there, just double clicking on the true cost. Like, it's an amazing documentary that I highly recommend everyone watch as an introduction to the dirty secrets behind the fashion industry. So we'll link it down below. But as I was doing my research, I was taking so many notes because there was just so many shocking things I was discovering, and that's how I wrote the Recloseted Handbook, which I will also link down below. But that's our A to Z guide for someone that wants to become a stylish but conscious clothing consumer. So we'll have that link down below. But if we take a step back, I started Recloseted in August, and then we did 
the Recloseted Handbook, and we did a lot of clothing swaps and community events, and it was really, really great, but then I also felt like we were only tackling one side of the problem because when it comes to this whole fashion problem, I kind of see it as consumers definitely being one side because they can vote with their dollars and there's power in the masses for sure. But then on the other hand, brands and companies also have a really big role to play. And so in our mission to write the harmful fashion industry, it just felt disconnected if we were only working on the consumer side of things. So I slowly started to think about how we could help brands and how we can help companies as well. And I personally have a business background and I wanted to figure out how I could leverage my knowledge and my expertise to help brands that deserved it. So we started doing consulting services and we started working with a few local brands and we started working with conscious brands. And I found that a lot of them were so great and they were so creative and so genuine in the fact that they wanted to make a difference but they just really lacked the business acumen and the strategic thinking and the plan. So we started out helping them. And so that kind of evolved into our business consulting services. And then we, as we grew and as we scale, I also recognized that sustainability consulting was really, really important. And because I don't necessarily have a fashion background, like a formal fashion education, I was also bringing on other folks in my network that had that, but also wanted to do something to really impact the fashion industry. And so really slowly and organically, our team grew and our clientele grew. And so now today, what we do is we do our consulting services. So our business consulting that helps sustainable fashion brands grow and scale. And then we also have our sustainability consulting that helps existing brands become more conscious and more environmentally friendly. And then on the side, we have our programs. So if someone wants to launch a slow fashion brand, we have our conscious label launcher. And then if someone wants to scale a slow fashion brand, we have the conscious apparel accelerator, which I am really excited about because we're going to be reopening doors in August and September. And then for CLL, the doors will be reopening in December. So yeah, I know that was like a mouthful of stuff, but high level, that's that's what we do now. And that's how we really write the harmful fashion industry by educating consumers, but also making sure that brands that deserve to grow and scale have the resources to do that. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing with us. And I know that I'm also super excited about the Conscious Apparel Accelerator program launching. So I think that's something that a lot of recloseted fans can look forward to. And also going off of your programs, I know from working behind the scenes and attending some client calls that Recloseted here has a really strong bond with the clients that we have, especially in the CLL program. And I was just wondering how you were able to build those relationships and those genuine bonds with the clients that you have now. Yeah, for sure. I feel like I might be super biased, but I feel like our clients are the best. Uh, I honestly think they're really, really amazing. And I kind of have this rule of thumb that there's no amount of money in the world that someone can pay me to work for them if I don't agree with what they're doing and or if I don't see myself getting along with them. I think life is way too short to work with someone that you don't believe in and you don't wholeheartedly want to help. And so we definitely look at it through that lens. So we are quite picky with who we work with. They obviously have to be really conscious and they have to be sustainable and they want to genuinely do good. 
But then at the other end too, like we want someone that's resourceful, someone that's willing to put in the work, and someone that's really ready to get to the next level. So I think that being kind of selective with who we work with definitely helps. But then on the other end of it too, like we come from a place where we genuinely want to help and we genuinely want to make a difference. And I know that our clients can see that. And I know that prospective clients also get that as well. So I think that helps. And then, of course, just the fact that I, I really do think of our clients as my friends as well. Like I genuinely do care about their well-being and their business and how they're doing. And I still think it's crazy that this is my job because it doesn't feel like a job. I know that sounds really cheesy, but it's just, yeah, I think it's, it's really at the end of the day, just like how much we care. And because of how much we care, our clients pick up on that and they just feel comfortable opening up, having those vulnerable conversations. And then that's just how we all have really, really close relationships. And what Grace is referring to, too, is just with our conscious label launcher, our community is so tight knit with that cohort. It's insane. And we have such an amazing atmosphere and environment. And I don't even know how to describe it, but I've had people come in and do guest speaking. And they've said that like it's literally the sweetest humans on the earth. And I, I can't agree more. And I think it just comes from the fact that at the end of the day, like we just genuinely care and just really want to help our clients and see them succeed. Yeah, I totally see that in the cohort for the Conscious Label Launcher. We have so many great shares of wins and, and personal pieces that um, the clients share with us because they obviously open up about things and it's a really good community and you can feel the love all the time. So I feel really lucky that you and I and everyone else can feel, you know, supported with one another and striving toward a similar mission. Yeah, totally. It's really rewarding. From working with so many slow fashion founders and entrepreneurs, in your experience, what kind of characteristics do you think successful founders have had? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say there's a few things, and this doesn't necessarily just have to do with slow fashion founders. It's about successful entrepreneurs in general. There's a few characteristics that I've seen, but the first one is just having a really, really strong why or passion for what they're doing. So a deep understanding of why they're doing what they're doing and a deep understanding of why it resonates with them. That's really important as fluffy or as cheesy as it sounds because running a business is really tough. You're going to run into challenges. You're going to run into obstacles. But having that deep rooted sense of why you're doing it or this deep sense of purpose will really help you persevere and keep going. And at the end of the day, being successful in business is going to take years. It's going to take probably around 10 years. And so you need to be able to be in it for the long run. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. So having that deep-rooted sense of purpose is quite important. And then the second thing that's really important too is once you have your purpose and your why, you then need to start to educate yourself and really learn because we're in the day and age where people can Google things, people can read books, they can listen to podcasts. And so you can really quickly become an expert in whatever field you want to do, but you need to be able to put in the hours and you need to be able to do the research and know what you're talking about. So just that like willingness and that lovingness to learn and just to pick up things, I think is really, really important. 
And then I think the third thing too is just resourcefulness. We always give clients our strategies and our help and our support, but I find that the clients that are really, really successful tend to take our strategies and our methods and apply them right away and then also tweak them slightly to fit their community too. And they also will bring their own ideas to the table to bounce them off me. And so just that like resourcefulness and that scrappiness I find is a really telltale sign of someone that will be successful and someone that can really take their brand to the next level. Thank you so much for sharing those um, different tips with us. I kind of wanted to hear a little bit more about maybe an example you can give us about what you mean by um, a founder or an entrepreneur being resourceful. I think it'll be really interesting to see and hear an example you might have with us from a past client that you worked with. Totally. So when I talk about resourcefulness, a lot of it can do with the fact that startup brands or brands that are in their early stages They don't have a lot of budget or they don't have a lot of money to play with. And so for a lot of our clients, we really help them determine what's a must-have for their business. So what are some of the things they have to spend money on? And then what are some of the nice-to-haves? And then we prioritize them. And so they know that as they're making revenue and as they're making sales, they can start to move some of those nice-to-haves into their business. And so for one of our clients, she really wanted to do this really big marketing campaign for her launch, but she just didn't have the funds to do so anymore because a lot of it was spent in production. And so what she did was she was able to rally up some people in her network. She got really creative with her launch event. She did it outside, so it was also COVID safe, but then also she could save on menu costs and she brought together a lot of makers and brought together a lot of people. And so she was just like really creative with how she went about her launch event. And then online, she didn't do too many ads because obviously you need to pay for ads. And so she still ran a few and she still was really selective with some of the influencers she's worked with. But then organically, she also thought of really cool ideas in order to get this awareness spread and in order for things to kind of go a little bit viral. So that was really cool. And I was really proud of her because she didn't have a huge budget to launch, um, but she still did really, really, really well. And she made like tens of thousands of dollars with her launch, which is amazing. And so because of that, she now has the capital to do the next launch and do her next collection a lot better. And I think it's great because she started scrappy and she knows what works. And so now that she has budget, it'll just definitely go to the next level. So yeah, that's just like a a really simple example. But I find that a lot of times like founders do have to be a little bit more resourceful when it comes to funding, because a lot of them won't start out with, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to put into their brand. Right. And I think it's really cool how much passion can get them to all of these inspiring ideas and approaches that they're taking. And When you touched on COVID, I actually wanted to ask, what are some learnings that you've had in the past year running Recloseted through a pandemic and kind of working with clients that are starting up their brands in this time right now? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a few things I've learned. I think first and foremost, the economy is very cyclical. So I was talking to a few mentors and a few friends of mine that have been entrepreneurs for longer than I have. And I think the last biggest crash that we saw worldwide was definitely in 2008 with the financial crisis. 
And so this, uh, or last year, I guess, or maybe two years ago, but in 2019-2020 with COVID, it definitely took the economy down a little bit as well. And as a entrepreneur that's never been through something like this, it was definitely scary because our clients were experiencing things and so they were cutting back on things. And then on our end, we still had our costs. And so I needed to figure out how to downsize and how to try to really be smart because who knew how long this was going to last, right? So I think that was all kind of scary. But what I told my clients is just the fact that the economy is cyclical. So it's going to happen again. There's going to be uh, bull markets and then bear markets in financial terms, but it's cyclical. It's going to happen again. We just don't know when. But what you can do is reflect on how you were impacted with COVID and how you were impacted in the last downslide. So think emotionally how you felt, think financially what you did that worked and maybe what didn't. And then the next time it happens, it may not be a disease, but it could be something else. You can refer back to it and just have a little bit of a playbook so you're not scrambling and trying to figure out what to do and like running around with your head cut off. I think that's one of my biggest learnings and a lot of my mentors and friends were talking to me about this as well. So I've been telling everyone to kind of just reflect and think about how you dealt with COVID and how you really were able to get back on your feet because that can be really helpful for you to reference next time. And then I think the other thing just to remember too is that it's always going to get better. Like even when you think that, I don't know what the expression is, like is uh, the ground is coming out beneath you. I think that's what it is. But, you know, even when you think that things can't get better or things won't get better, it will because again, the economy is cyclical. So you just need to be able to downsize or stop the leaking as much as possible. And then also make sure that this is a kind of kick in the butt for you to make sure that you have runway in your business. And so runway just means that if you aren't making any money, like how many months and maybe years can you stay in business ideally? So like figuring out your minimum monthly costs, which is something we always do with our clients, and then just multiplying that by however many months of runway you want to have. So for example, if you know that every single month you spend $1,000 on things that you have to spend, then if you know if you want to have six months worth of runway, then your business bank account, you want to make sure that you at least have $6,000, for example. So yeah, making sure that you have runway is also really, really important and something that I definitely was really grateful that we had, but I know some of my clients didn't. And so it was really important for us to just make sure they got back on their feet and then also thought about the future because yeah, it's going to happen again. It's just a matter of when, but then you just want to be prepared for it. Even though there were a lot of difficulties and challenges that came with this, there were so many lessons to be learned. And I think that some of the things you shared with us are really valuable, like you said, in times like this and times when things are great. And I was wondering, I know you touch a lot about on like mental health and mindfulness as well. And obviously, I think a lot of founders, a lot of business owners, and even yourself have been maybe feeling discouraged when COVID had first started. What are kind of some ways that you combated or overcame like those like mindful challenges, like feeling discouraged or feeling anxious about what's going to come next? How were you able to um, overcome those thoughts and maybe like negative feelings that you were having at the time? Yeah, that's also a very good question. 
So for me, I think just going back to the why is important, which is you know that purpose and that sense that will keep you going. So just remembering that we really want to write the harmful fashion industry. The fashion industry is still going to be around after COVID, so we need to figure out how we can adapt and how we can pivot. So remembering that, but then also equally like making space for that anxiety and that stress because. What I've realized is the more you bottle things up and the more you try to brush it aside and just focus on work, the more it's going to spill over, and then you're just going to not explode, but it, it's just like you're going to spill over, and you're probably going to have a mental breakdown and like cry. And so I think it's really, really important to be preventative. And so what I personally did was like a lot of journaling, a lot of therapy, a lot of talking to my friends and family. And I think the journaling is really, really helpful because now when I look back on things, I can know exactly what I went through. And then when the next time something like this happens, you can reference it again. And when you feel those feelings again, it's almost comforting to know that you felt it before, but you got through it. And so, yeah, that's why it's so important to reflect, and not just on the business items, but also on the personal and emotional items too, because. It is really scary, right? If you have all these costs going out of your business, but then your sales are taking a huge dip, and you don't know when you're going to get revenue again, or when you're going to get things, or when things are going to pick back up again. So just making sure that you make the space to process those emotions and make sure you write your feelings down, so that in the future, when something like this happens again, you can always reference it, and it is just really comforting because. Yeah, like you can talk to your friends and family, and yeah, you can talk to other entrepreneurs. But I think it's just really, really comforting when it's coming from you, and you know that you've been able to get yourself out of that situation before. So yeah, that's what I would recommend, and was really, really helpful for me. Yeah, so I think the things that you shared with us really resonate with me as well, because when COVID first started, I was so discouraged and didn't know what was going to be happening in the future, and I, I don't think anyone obviously did. And it's really good.、Um, what you mentioned, journaling, actually really helped me as well. Writing down how I'm feeling and reflecting on how I can kind of improve, and being positive and mindful about like how I'm treating myself and my emotions, I think is really important. And I kind of want to know what is something you wish you could have told your younger self? Because I know I'm a little bit younger, but is there like a tip or advice that you wish you had known sooner? Um, to kind of overcome challenges like this, or just challenges that you faced as an entrepreneur. Yeah, totally. I would say, and this applies to everything. I would just say that nothing is a big deal and nothing matters, which sounds really, really, I guess, like negative, maybe. But I just honestly have like gotten really into Buddhism, and honestly, like nothing really matters and nothing's a big deal. And I know when you're going through it and when you're in it. You can be really stressed out, and you can be really overwhelmed. But honestly, if you're not really going to care that much about it in a week, in a month, in a year, then like don't don't stress out about it right now. You know, it just doesn't really matter. Like even when I was in school, when we had midterms or finals, like I'd be freaking out. But now looking back, like I don't even remember what grade I got, or I don't even remember how I did. You know, so long as I graduated, it, it doesn't really matter. And the same happens with entrepreneurship. Like I think that people really stress out sometimes about like the details and all the little things in their business because it's their baby and they want it to be perfect. And yes, you definitely want to have a certain quality of work go out, but 
You also don't want to be bogged down by perfectionism and not do anything because you're so stressed out or overwhelmed. And just remember that, you know, none of this will really matter. Uh, an entrepreneur I really respect, his name is Naval, and we can leave his Twitter down below. But he kind of talks about the fact that we always think that we're building a legacy, especially as entrepreneurs. But in three generations, like everyone we know is wiped out, our business will probably be obsolete. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. But what really does matter is you're you like making sure that you're taking care of yourself and you're doing your passions and you're doing as much as you can right now and just enjoying life because at the end of the day we only have a certain amount of time on earth and a certain amount of time to live our life so we should definitely just enjoy it do the most we can and not stress out too much about it I think that's something I would tell myself and it's something that I'm not great at at all means I think it's something I'm always reminding myself but just realizing that nothing's a big deal, nothing matters, and it's all going to be okay. Yeah, so I totally agree with you again. I think some things that I thought last year when COVID first started or when things were a little bit tougher, I was thinking, oh my god, this is like the end of the world. Like, how am I going to get through this? But, you know, like looking back, it's like, that didn't matter. That that doesn't affect me now. And I wish I hadn't stressed out about it. So I think that's really great advice that anyone can take forward. And I kind of want to hear what does a typical day or a typical work week look like for you? Because I know like being a founder, there's so many things that you're juggling and kind of want to see like the rundown of things that you do day to day and and how you kind of manage stress and stuff like that as it comes up um, in a work week, which I'm sure it does. Yeah, I am someone that is so type A. If you ask anyone in my life, I am so OCD with organization and scheduling. Like, I'm that friend where if we hang out, I'm like, oh, I'll send you a Google invite. Like, what's your email? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like that person. And honestly, I have to be that person because there's so much going on. And if I don't write it down, I'm going to forget. So I would say, yeah, I'm best friends with my Google Calendar and with ClickUp, which is our project management tool, as you know. And two books that really helped me are The Burnout Book and In the Flow. And I've talked about this on Recalled Radio before, but we'll leave it down below. But so as a woman, if you're menstruating, you have a, a cycle that you should really try to take advantage of. So in certain points of our cycle, we are more creative and we are more social. And in other parts of our cycle, we need to rest and recover. And in other parts, like where we need to work and focus. And so I definitely lay out on a monthly view as opposed to like a weekly or daily view. And I really try to sync up with my cycle. And so in the flow, the book will teach you how to do that. And so you can go read that. I don't want to take credit for her work. I think she does a really good job. But yeah, so I try to lay everything out in a monthly view. And then on a weekly view, I just have well, you know this, like we have our monthly waterfall and then we have our weekly goals. And then every single day, I just write down a a list of things I need to get done. And then with my actual week, I also try to do two days where it's very meeting heavy. And so we'll slide in all of our client meetings or any external meetings during those two days. And those two days for me are like Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And so my Tuesdays and Wednesdays are pretty crazy. But then it's really, really nice to have like Monday, Thursday, Friday just to do other stuff. 
and have focused work because I think there's nothing worse than finally getting into the zone and working and then being like, oh, like I have a meeting in 10 minutes. And then you have to like shift your mindset. And so, yeah, um, so I would say I don't have a typical day or a typical week. And I think that's really common for entrepreneurs because like so many things happen. But I try to plan out my month according to that cycle thinking method. And then for every single week, like me, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are really busy with meetings. And then like Monday, Thursday, Friday, I try to do more like strategic thinking, more working. I also think it's really, really important for founders to have at least one day, if not two days, where they're just thinking and not working in their business, but they're working on their business. Because if you never take a step back to think, you're going to just be running around in circles and you might be doing things that don't make sense for your business and you might be executing and not really thinking about what you're doing. So I always encourage my clients to take a step back really think about why they're doing what they're doing and see if it makes sense for their business because there's no point working hard just for the sake of working hard. Like we really want to make sure we're working smart. It's it's a really good um, structure that Recloseted has and that you've kind of set up with ClickUp for us. It's awesome how things are laid out on the, like the daily, the weekly, the monthly, and it really just helps us, like you said, focus on things. And I think that's really important when it comes to getting work done and being productive. And I know that Recloseted Radio has a maximizing productivity and time management podcast episode that I think is really helpful. And I've learned a lot um, through working with you and using ClickUp and making sure that you always encourage me too to like make time for myself, make time for my family. And I think that becomes possible because you have everything structured and organized for us, which is awesome. And it really helps us to focus on the things that need to get done, but also enables us to have work-life balance and I that's something that I'm really appreciative about and I think that all the founders and entrepreneurs should kind of implement that in their day-to-day life as well. Oh yeah that makes me really happy to hear and it definitely has taken time to get here right but one of the things that's been really really eye-opening for me is something my mentor told me that if you focus and you only pick like two to three big projects every single quarter then you can do those two to three big projects really, really, really well versus if you got shiny object syndrome and you were like, oh, maybe I should be on TikTok. Maybe I should do like an IG live series and maybe I should design a new collection next month. And, you know, you spread yourself so thin that nothing gets done well and you're burnt out and you're exhausted. So focusing is so key and really making sure that what you're focusing aligns to your quarterly objectives and your annual objectives like that will push you so much further and move the needle in your business so much further while at the same time allowing you to work less so that you're more efficient and more happy and more productive when you do work. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of focusing and I think that's how we as a team can also achieve work-life balance while still killing it, right? Like I think it's at the end of the day, like you still want to make sure you're doing well and you're successful, but you need to take care of yourself too because it's a cycle. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of your to-do list. So yeah, just making sure you take care of yourself is so important. A lot of founders like on our Instagram and stuff have been like reaching out and even commenting and especially on the motivational quotes that we've been posting recently, really resonating with kind of like the focus aspect and making sure that you're being mindful of your mental health. So it's really awesome to have that structure and kind of curious to know, like I know you've dealt with burnout and feeling like 
really like heavy and and stressed out in the past and I know like this is something that you've been able to work a lot on and there is also another podcast episode that I think is really helpful but I kind of want to hear like what your number one tip to dealing with burnout and preventing it and so that um, you kind of have that work-life balance that you've mentioned and making sure that you're taking care of yourself before your business and stuff like that. So the burnout book that we're going to link below does a really good job of it but I would say at the end of the day, just make time for self-care and you need to do it every single day. It can't be something where you decide to work straight for a week and then you take the Saturday to sleep all day. Like I think that's kind of what I used to do. I used to just push myself and then just collapse after. But it's more sustainable if you implement like little bits every single day. And it doesn't need to be expensive. Like I think self-care has this rep of being like, oh, I need to go get a massage and then I need to go get a facial. But at the end of the day, you can just sleep more. Like that's something I do that's free and it's been great. Like I don't know why I didn't sleep more before. I, I think it was I was very much so when I was first starting out like, oh, I can sleep when I'm dead. Like, you know, that like hustle entrepreneur mentality. But like, honestly, sleep is amazing. And it's great for my skin. So (laughs) I sleep a lot more now. And then also just making sure you take time to like decompress. So if that looks like meditation for you or if that looks like journaling or just work walking outside, because I know some people aren't into meditating, do what feels right for you. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that like you need to meditate or you need to sleep more. It's really what works for you and what works for your lifestyle. But The key is just to make sure that you're doing it every single day and it's not something that you're saving till the end of the month or it's not something that you're putting off because if you don't take care of yourself, then your body is going to step in and it's going to say that you're burnt out and then it will force you to rest. So you can either choose when you rest or you can be forced to rest. And that's something that I've really realized in the past year. So Yeah, like you're going to rest regardless, so you may as well do it in bite-sized pieces versus crash and burn at the end. Yeah, I totally feel that. Like in the past, I would just work so hard and then I would just sleep for hours and hours, even for like two days straight. So finding that balance was really important for me as well. And just to kind of wrap things up, first of all, I really wanted to hear like, what are some of your favorite sustainable clothing brands or maybe brands that you really love and that you really think does a good job in putting the step forward to have a more sustainable fashion industry. Do you have any in mind that you want to share with us today? Ooh, this is a fun question. I mean, I'm super biased. I think all of our clients are amazing. So nowadays, when people ask me for like clothing recommendations, I'm either thrifting or repurposing my closet, or I'm just buying and supporting our clients. So Some of our clients I wanted to shout out are definitely Past Life The Collective. If you have more of like a bohemian style, definitely check Berkeley's brand out. I also love our client Smith Bowen. She does sustainable and ethical undergarments. And I think often we don't think about what our most sensitive parts of our body are really wearing. And so I think it's great to have that as an alternative. We also have so many other CLL brands coming out, so I'm really excited to be able to promote them. We're going to be having interviews with them later this year as they're starting to launch, so keep an eye out for that. But yeah, those are just some off the top of my head. And then, of course, like we'll we'll list some of our other clients down below too. But 
I think at the end of the day, like I just really am supporting our clients and then also like just thrifting and yeah. But I think when I do buy new, it's really just supporting our clients. Um, And then in terms of like bigger brands, I will say this, like I think I used to give H&M a lot of crap, but I do think they're genuinely trying, which is nice. And I know as a big brand, it's really, really hard to change your processes, to change your product development and all that stuff. So I will say that I give them props for trying and for trying to turn things around. I think, I mean, don't sue me, but I don't think Zara is trying at all. So at least, you know, H&M is trying and hopefully with their big budgets, they can really start to push new technologies forward and new innovations forward. So I think that's really exciting. And that's not to say like I want all of you to go shop at H&M. I think more so I would encourage all of you to reach out to them and just say that you think it's great that they're trying to turn things around and they're doing some innovations and just like encourage them to continue moving forward. Um, And then I think like a brand that I've really respected out of COVID is Pangaea. Like they're the loungewear company and they definitely took off during COVID, which is very understandable. But they take a very like scientific approach, but they also make it really sexy in their marketing. So I think that's really, really cool. And I definitely respect what they've done for sure. The brands you've mentioned are awesome. I know like the clients that we've worked with here at Recalcited, they have such great pieces and the clothing lines that they come out with are so beautiful as well. And I think like you mentioned with H&M, they're becoming a lot more transparent and a little bit more honest with kind of how they're operating. So I'm loving that they're trying to grow and trying to get better. And I really hope that they stay on that track and and we can see a little bit of change or a lot of change actually kind of happening with the fast fashion industry going forward. So I think that's really cool that you were able to share that with us. And I'm so excited for the cohort in the Conscious Label Launcher. The clients that we have right now, I'm so excited for their brands to come out and launch and so many exciting things to come. So really happy for that. And I guess just the last question that I have for you is what's next for Recloseted? What are some of your visions or goals in the upcoming future? And I know that um, Conscious Apparel Accelerator is coming out. So I kind of want to hear a little bit more about that before you go as well. Yeah, we have a lot of exciting things happening. So our Conscious Apparel Accelerator Program or CAA a program that skills brands, helps brands increase their sales and really takes them to the next level. Doors are opening in September and so we're definitely going to be talking more about it throughout August and September. So stay tuned for that and you'll get more information. And then in December, we will be opening doors back up again for our Conscious Label Launcher program. So for folks that want to launch a brand, stay tuned for that as well. You'll probably be hearing more about that in November and December. So those are kind of like the two big things we're working towards. And then, of course, we're just continuing to work with our clients right now. A lot of them will be launching as well. So we're really, really excited and just really looking forward to everything because we have some big plans and I'm just really looking forward to working with some amazing clients and some amazing founders. Thank you so much, Lena, for answering all my questions today. Hopefully we were able to touch on a couple topics that other community members were curious about as well. And really thankful that you took the time to answer them. Yeah, of course. This was so fun. Thanks for coming on to Recloseted Radio, Grace, and interviewing me. I think you did a great job and I think everyone else will agree with me. So yeah, great job. I know 
I, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but Grace was like a little bit nervous, but I think she killed it. So definitely send us some love in the DMs and tell Grace that she did a good job. And that was today's episode. If you enjoyed it and you took a lot out of it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could take a screenshot, share it to your Instagram stories, and tag us at Recloseted. Additionally, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe because new episodes will be automatically downloaded and it also helps us as well to continue to provide this podcast for free to you and continue to share all of these valuable resources. If you haven't already, also make sure you rate Recloseted 5 stars if you think we deserve it and write a positive review. That really helps us as well. And we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, together, let's write the harmful fashion industry.